Do you get stressed out by the sheer number of emails in your inbox? Are you checking and responding to emails when you really need to be doing your core work? Do you get anxious if you don't respond right away to customers, clients, colleagues, or coworkers? Are you switching to emails when you feel bored, frustrated, or stuck on a project? When you're being responsible and responsive, you can easily slip into reactive mode. You end up neglecting important work that is less urgent but brings more long-term value. Email is a habit-forming tool. It is a repeated behavior and repetitive action. It's a key method for communication and collaboration. You need to know how to use email to make essential progress without getting sidetracked by other people's agendas. This is episode 16, Hackback Email. Hello and welcome to The Incrementalist, a productivity podcast on making big changes in small steps. My name is Diane Williams and I'm your productivity coach and host for the show. What if there were no emails in your inbox? Is Marilyn Mann's Inbox Zero the way to go? Do you need to automate how you process the messages? Yes, there is benefit in having systems and tools like creating folders and labels to move stuff out of your inbox. But it's hard to stay at inbox zero. The average professional receives about 100 messages per day. One study found that knowledge workers spend 28% of their average work week on reading and answering emails. With the rise in social media, texting and messaging platforms like Slack, some might say email is dead. But email continues to be alive and well. It's the main communication, collaboration, and information sharing tool at many organizations. Remote work and collaboration across the country and around the globe also make email critical. Within nanoseconds, you can exchange messages and documents electronically. Handheld devices make it easier to check emails anytime, anywhere. Nair Eyal, behavioral designer and author of Indistractable, notes that most of what we do is to avoid discomfort. Dissatisfaction is our brain's default state. It's what leads to much of human advancements. He says time management is really pain management. Internal triggers come from within. They are the leading cause of being distracted. Whether it's boredom, loneliness, anxiety, or frustration, Internal triggers prompt you to seek an escape. If you don't know how to deal with discomfort, you will turn to distractions, which may include email. External triggers come from our environment. They include the pings and dings, like auto-alerts that prompt you to check your email. Eyal says there are good and bad external triggers. For instance, I use alerts to remind me of an appointment or meeting but I turn off email notifications because I only process emails at certain times of the day. Immediate replies are counterproductive because they scatter your attention and drain your energy. When deciding whether an external trigger is helpful or not, 
ask yourself this critical question: Is this trigger serving me, or am I serving it? The opposite of distraction is traction. Distraction is any action that pulls you away from what you really want. Traction is any action that pulls you toward what you really want, such as your goals and objectives. Even if email checking makes you feel productive, it's a distraction if it moves you away from what you planned to do, intended to do, need to do, or is not aligned with your main values and priorities. In episode two of the Incrementalist podcast, Building Good Habits, I talked about Professor B.J. Fogg's behavior model. This states that behavior comes down to a formula: B equals MAP. M is motivation, the desire to do the behavior. A is ability, which means that you can do the behavior, and P is the prompt. This is the trigger or reminder to do the behavior now. These three things coexist to drive the behavior. Stimuli from your environment interrupts your intended action. External triggers move you away from planned task. If you're constantly checking emails, you'll get caught in a stimulus response loop. When you condition yourself to reply instantly, you're also conditioning the receiver to expect an instant reply. Attend to what's in front of you instead of allowing external triggers. To pull you away from what you need to do, if you want to focus and gain traction on what matters to you, you need to be indistractable. This means not just doing the right things, but also not doing the things you'll regret. Eyal outlines four key strategies in his book: one, master internal triggers; two, prevent distraction with packs; three, make time for traction; and four, hack back. External triggers. In this episode, I'll focus on how to hack back the external trigger called email. In tech terms, to hack means to gain unauthorized access to data in a system or computer. Don't let your digital devices gain unauthorized access to your brain, so you become distracted. Eyal writes that time spent on email equals number of messages received. Multiplied by the average time spent per message, that is big T equals little n times little t. If email overload is a problem for you, here are seven tips to manage it. The first tip is to stop the influx at its source. Get yourself removed from email newsletters and group lists that don't add value for you personally or professionally. Set up a spam filter if you don't have one. This will help reduce the amount of junk email that lands in your inbox. The second tip is to process your email. Don't just check, scan, or read your email. Take action with your messages instead of let them sit in your inbox for days, weeks, and months. It's okay to scan your email if you need to check for urgent messages, but once you read an email, decide what to do with it. Use the file, act, or trash method. Avoid rereading and rechecking emails, which eats up time and attention. If an email takes longer to process, flag it for follow-up. You could tag it based on categories such as client, prospect, or colleague, or based on when a reply is needed, today or this week. File or archive what you will need as reference. 
Use clearly labeled folders and tags that will make it easier to access and retrieve the information. While search tools are helpful, folders and tags can help to narrow the search down. Respond to messages that will take five minutes or less. If a certain request requires further research or will take multiple steps to craft a response, add it to your to-do list or task management system. In the meantime, you could let the person know when you will get to it to avoid a follow-up email. Email is your communication collaboration system, not your action-oriented system. Delete stuff you don't need or is irrelevant to your work or interests. Glance at the subject and from lines and delete emails that aren't worth reading or saving or don't require any action on your part. The third tip is to block time for batch processing your email. Designate a specific time block or even certain days for email processing. It's better to save your peak hours when energy and focus are high for core work and not for emails. It's more efficient to process your emails in batches instead of each one throughout the day. This reduces context switching. Protect the other time blocks for your core work and important projects. You could set aside 30 minutes to one hour, once in the morning, in the middle of the day, in the afternoon, and at the end of the day to process your email. Or you could block 15 minutes of every hour for email. These are just examples but two to three limited time blocks for email processing is usually enough. Play with your time slots to see what works for you. Block time to focus on sending emails and replying to emails. If an email contains useful links or attachments that may be read later, file it. When your time is up, move on to your top projects. Strict abstinence from email or digital detox is hard to do, and it's not usually practical. If you have an urge to check email, just wait 10 minutes. Tell yourself you can give in to the distraction in 10 minutes. This is called surfing the urge. Avoid blaming others or shaming yourself. Just feel the sensation with curiosity and without judgment. The feeling won't last forever. Or you could just get back to the task at hand and the urge might pass. Don't feel pressured to reply within minutes when it's okay to respond within a few hours. By end of day, or even the next day, is often more than enough. An immediate answer is not always the best action. People often figure things out themselves, simply because you did not get back to them right away, or did not come to the rescue unnecessarily. And there are times when the issue simply becomes irrelevant. You need email-free times during the day to get big things done. Respond to emails and go online during chunks of predetermined time blocks on your own schedule. That way, you stay responsive and connected without getting sidetracked. And protect your off-grid time, such as on weekends when you're not responding to emails. The fourth tip is to close out or shut down email when you're doing focus work Switch off your auto alerts. You cannot control when people email you, but you can decide when to read, process, and respond. Getting the notification and not responding to the email can be just as distracting as replying to it. If you hear a ding or see a visual alert every time an email comes in, you'll be tempted to stop what you're doing 
to check your inbox. So turn off the auto alert and get out of your inbox. External triggers can be addictive. They help you to avoid discomfort. But most of the stuff that comes in daily is a distraction that moves you away from your planned task and important projects. Turning off the dings or visual alerts will help you stay focused and in flow. If you block time for email, you don't need the auto notification. Attend to email when you're ready to process it. Don't let it control you or your agenda. The fifth tip is to take email off your phone or handheld device. I do not have an email app or social media app on my phone. If I need to, I can use a browser, but this is more inconvenient. Create as much friction as possible to stop the habit loop of checking your emails repeatedly throughout the day. Make it hard to answer if you're not in your workspace, such as at bedtime or when you're on vacation. For more on breaking bad habits, check out episode 3 of the Incrementalist podcast. The sixth tip is to use proper email etiquette. Provide a clear subject line and keep your email to the appropriate length. Sometimes an issue calls for a short and to-the-point response, and sometimes it needs a lengthy and thorough explanation. Use headings, subheadings, and even numbered bullet points to make your message easier to digest. Use reply to all, cc, or forward sparingly. Don't send a response if the email doesn't call for it. Pause before you hit send. The more emails you send and the more people you send emails, the more you will get. The seventh tip is to think about what will work best to reduce back-and-forth communication. Maybe a scheduled telephone call, video conference, or a meeting will work better to resolve complicated or sensitive issues. Email does not capture tone and can be misinterpreted. Know that email is not effective for back-and-forth chatting. If you need to arrange a meeting, choose an exact time and place, or make a suggestion instead of ask an open-ended question like, what time should we meet? Try a scheduling software like Calendly or ScheduleOnce. Or let the parties know your available time blocks in your calendars and have them confirm which one works best for them. Design a workflow that will minimize the number of emails in your inbox. Find an alternative that is more efficient, explicit, and clear to deal with a problem or to make progress. This doesn't mean more phone calls, video conferencing, meetings, or emails. It means creating well-defined systems and processes regarding the what, when, how, and so on when it comes to projects. Being more accessible has side effects. It sets expectations for immediate responses, no matter the time of day, no matter where you are. Nair Eyal says a dysfunctional workplace where you're always connected is the real culprit. Tech overuse creates a vicious cycle of responsiveness where you have less control over your time, think you need to be always available to get ahead, and set expectations to be always on. At indistractable and focused organizations, leaders set examples for doing core work and acknowledge the problems of 24-7, 
availability, and access. Resist the urge to respond to or read every single email as they hit your inbox. Even if you work in a dysfunctional environment that is resistant to change, there are small things that you can do to hack back email. Send a fewer to receive fewer. Have set office hours instead of an all-day open-door policy to address concerns and questions. Eliminate unwanted messages by unsubscribing and using spam filters. Delay your responses appropriately. AL suggests you ask yourself, when's the latest this person needs to see this reply? You could use technology to have the email go out at a preset time. Practicing good email habits will save time, preserve mental bandwidth, and allow you to focus on your core work. Get clear on what you really need to accomplish. Plan your day around your most important task so you're less likely to seek the dopamine high that comes from digital distractions. If you need coaching on how to hack back email and stay focused, contact me through my website at dianewilliams.com and sign up for my e-newsletter to receive updates on articles and online courses that will help you gain traction, fight distraction, and take action on what matters. Like with any e-newsletter, you can unsubscribe at any time if you don't find it particularly useful. I subscribe and unsubscribe all the time to create my inbox. If you enjoy the show, Your ratings, reviews, and shares will help others find it. Thank you for tuning in and join me again on the next episode.